I am so excited to have Ella from Kirby Dog Services on today. Ella is a certified ABTC dog and puppy trainer in London and Brighton, offering one-to-one training, group classes, and virtual training. She also runs the Puppy Collective, which is a monthly virtual training and behavior mentorship for young dogs and their humans. Ella has been featured in publications such as The Guardian, and she has an incredible social media presence, which you should definitely check out. I honestly can't believe how much we covered in this episode, from tips to introducing your puppy to existing dogs and cats, to the changes to look out for in adolescence, and the dog mum guilt that every new dog mum feels. I'm sure you're going to pick up so much value and feel so much better about your puppy journey. So let's go straight in. Hi, Ella, and welcome to the Dog Mum Mindset Podcast. And I'm so happy to have you here. So I wanted to go straight in and have you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about what drives you to do what you do, really. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Um, it's a great pleasure. So yeah, I'm Ella. I run Kirby Dog Training. Um, I'm a dog and puppy trainer. Um, and I've been doing my job full time um, since 2017 now. Um, so I work with dogs of all ages, but mainly puppies at the moment because of, um, the previous couple of years. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, the way that I got into, um, dog training, I, I worked in, um, previously in a job that I found very, um, unsatisfying, didn't motivate me. Um, I was about 27 and my dog Kirby, uh, passed away. And he was 20 years old uh, when he died, amazing. which is just amazing. Um, he just went on and on. He was a little trooper. Um, and he was a, you know, Battersea Dogs Home boy as well. We got him when he was about seven weeks old from the, rescued him wow. from the curb. So he, they called him Kirby. I was seven. Um, so he died when I was 27. So it was quite like a profound uh, time. Mm. And you know him passing away just really sort of inspired me to look to a career that I would get fulfillment from that I could work um and be my own boss with um and so yeah I basically um researched dog training um Mm -hmm. did lots of courses found found puppy school um yeah gaining loads of um experience um became a certified tutor through them um, ran my own classes and then um, became accredited with the ABTC through puppy school, continued to run classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, just sort of um, the one-to-one started uh, rolling in and I've honestly never looked back. It's just mm-hmm. my dream job. I love what I do. Um, and I, yeah, I get such fulfillment from just seeing, I suppose, just working with people and just seeing all the tangible changes that you're making to people's lives and their dogs' lives um, and helping, you know, dogs and people understand each other. It's been fabulous. Love it. So it's been so nice seeing your progression through everything. And um, for anyone that hasn't seen you on Instagram, it's at Kirby Dog Training and you honestly give so much valuable information away so um it's been incredible to see that and i'd love for you to talk a little bit about all of your animals because i know that they feature really heavily um and probably inspire you a lot as well yes yes so um i've got quite a few well i mean i don't really but i've got two dogs and two cats um so winnie and wilfred are my cats they're two cornish rexes they are coming up to four years old um, they're very dog-like. <laughs> they yeah, like they are. Tree, 
Yes. <laughs> They're very sociable. Um, they particularly enjoy clicker training, so they can do lots of tricks and things like oh, amazing. that. Amazing. Um, and then we've got Byron, um, who's eight years old now. He's an Australian shepherd cross collie mix. And yeah, he is, he's, he's basically a bit of a rescue. I mean, I, I rescued him from my mother. Mm. Oh. <laughs> so, so my mum brought him over from Australia with her when she came back. Um, she emigrated to Australia and then came back to the UK and brought Byron back with her. And her life um, situation changed. So she just couldn't really give him what he needed. Um, You know, he's a big dog, intelligent, needs a lot of exercise, mental stimulation. Um, And at the time, you know, I was going through um, training to become a dog trainer. And I just needed a dog to kind of, you know, work it all through with. So he's been with us for four years now. Um, We've had him full time. And he's been an amazing teacher. Yeah, he's got his quirks. He's got things that are, you know, are challenging for him. But he's he's a lovely dog. Um, and then our newest addition is little yes. Banjo. Who I can see in the background. And he's just completely he's chilling. It's so sweet with to his, see. Um, everything out for you to see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a lurcher puppy. Um, so he he's a Bedlington Whippet Greyhound. Um, uh, but the greyhound is coming through strong in this one. He's very tall and quite a big, big dog, actually. So he's seven months old and he's about 18 kilograms. So, um, yeah, he is going to be quite big, especially because he's he's so slender as well. He's very slender, but yeah, yeah, he's quite heavy. Um, (laughs) But he's he's gorgeous. Mm. Um, And we've raised him since he was yeah eight weeks old. Um, so that's been very eye-opening and and good in lots of ways yeah oh brilliant I mean that's kind of what I wanted to get into is is share a little bit of the behind the scenes because I know that you know when I started with Alto and he was a puppy and I didn't really have the training experience that obviously I've got now and I remember thinking like looking up to these dog trainers and think how do they do it like how how is it really for them behind the scenes is it you know is it as easy as you think it would be or is it not and I think it would be really nice I think first of all for you to share the ways that you think being a puppy trainer really prepared yeah. you for banjo. I mean, being, you know, working with puppies day in, day out, um, I obviously got a really good understanding of the challenges that a lot of um, owners came up against. Mm. So, you know, things like sleeping routines, toilet training, separation and independence um, training, um, you know, just feeding enrichment and and the zoomies and you know just just lots of common things that I would work with owners with on a one-to-one basis and also in group classes definitely just gave me you know I had all the theory behind me and I also had the practical experience as well of working with variety of breeds and as we know you know not Mm. every puppy is different so you have to kind of troubleshoot don't you you can't just Mm -hmm. have one approach for for, you know all puppies so that that certainly gave me loads of experience and um you know helped me feel really prepared to have my own puppy because of course I was 7 years old when we brought Kirby home so you know I didn't I didn't really do much of that mm. raising um so so yeah it, it's uh that was really useful but of course <laughs> there's been lots of challenges along the way as well <laughs> I was going to come on to that. So um, first of all, to say, I mean, he must have been in the safest hands ever with you to yeah. just come in and have you kind of being able to apply all of those things. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people maybe don't have that knowledge on 
the way that they develop yeah. and so sometimes that's where it catches you out whereas I think we were talking before about you know you know his adolescence is coming up so um is there any way you, you've adolescence. at all actually well you're absolutely right I, th- mm. I think I think we definitely um were, were able to be like oh he's really bitey and chewy we know he's teething. This is the phase in which they teeth. This is when they go into fear phase. Oh, you know, he's suddenly worried about things. But so in terms of his adolescence, um, really, we've just tried to be really consistent with his training from day one, um, build lots of confidence in him so that um, when he comes to being an adolescent dog, we know that there are regressions um, time it's you know mm. been proven it's just something that happens to a lot of dogs so we're really prepared for it but we have we've sort of laid foundations I suppose really strong training foundations in him to to hopefully you know um mm. help him through it um and also because because I know that loads of adolescent dogs do struggle um we can also you know you know just be a bit you know kind with him. you know just be kind and understanding and not get frustrated and just sort of know that he can't help it you know if he's suddenly not listening to me outside or it's it's literally just his puppy brain developing in an adult body um and all the hormonal changes but yeah, yeah just being really consistent um with our training um and building our bond and our comfort I think the main thing for us was just building our relationship with him building confidence in the world you know helping him know that things aren't scary or things aren't you know things to worry about through lots of pairing with treats and play and things mm-hmm. he enjoys um so that he also is just a bit more you know able to take on new things that might startle him or worry him and yeah absolutely yeah I think that's so interesting what you're saying about his adolescence and being prepared for it because I imagine from you working with a lot of puppies you find that people get to adolescence and they kind of think their work's done and actually it's it's not so much if if, if anything it's only really just begun and I think what a lot of people don't really realize is is puppyhood is actually a very short um, period of time and then you know I suppose from what 20 weeks onwards we pretty much start classifying them as teenage dogs and then that that that's that's a long slog it goes on for a long time adolescence you know depending on breed size and uh the, you know what the dog is it can be anywhere from sort of what 18 months to sort of two years plus so uh, you, you go through you go through mm. the puppy bit and you're like yep nailed all of those things and then suddenly your adolescent dog just throws this you know uh yeah this regression at you and you're like wow okay um, and it can be quite shocking for a lot of people, yeah. I think, or they just don't quite understand why it's happening or, um, but yeah, I think what's re- you know, you've got to be kind on yourself and not berate yourself. And also I think, you know, you just be oh, really aware that dog training is never really a linear process, is it? It's, it's, it's always, um, there's always lots of peaks and troughs, changes. Um, so yeah, that's what I tell myself anyway. <laughs> Oh, and I think um, I think it really helps when people know that. I think when people, you know, when people come and, and anyone listening might think or might classify their dog as a puppy. And actually, some people call puppies under two years. And it kind of is that that knowledge of they're just not fully grown yet. And even if yeah. they're fully grown, they're not fully developed. So, um, no, I think yeah. it's really good to hear from your point of view kind of where that change yeah. comes in. How well, it's, it's really interesting, just like physically as well. You know, mm. we, we can now see his testicles. Um <laughs> 
and uh, you've just just his physical body has changed so much over the last oh well, obviously since we got him but definitely in the last sort of two months he physically he mm. looks very mature um you know a lot of people mm. think he's people think he's a four-year-old dog or something I think it's because he's so gray and scruffy um but yeah just seeing as you know his testicles hanging around it's like oh yes <laughs> there they are and yes you are um a teenager now so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, he's showing them off right now in the background um, he's like here I am <laughs> he has no problems about displaying those bad boys <laughs> and you know we're gonna, we're gonna keep hold of them for as long as he needs as well yeah. um Brilliant. we're in no rush to castrate him so yeah. oh, <laughs> oh and I think you kind of touched on it but I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the unexpected challenges you had through getting a puppy because I think you know we always think we're really prepared and I think there's probably you know dog mums dog dads listening to this thinking okay I'm preparing for my puppy you know but these unexpected things do come up and I'd love to hear your side of it really yeah I think um I think one of the one of the the biggest things that I struggled with was the sleep actually I didn't realize how important sleep was to me um in order to like function properly um you know to to be able to um just graciously deal with things um so for the first you know honestly like you know his sleep has been a little bit off and on um since we've had him I'd, I'd say only over the last month has it really stabilized um which has been really interesting for me because, you know, I I work with dogs all the time on their sleeping routines and I implemented everything I knew and yet still he would just wake up at sort of, you know, four o'clock for, for a wee or a poo. He would always go straight back to sleep again, but he kind okay. of, he, all, he always needed a, a little toilet break in the middle of the night, you know. Um, mm. So it was just sort of troubleshooting and working out why um, and you know, in the end, we just sort of um, fed him a little bit earlier. um, And that made all the difference. Um, But also, I just think, I just think it was his capacity to hold on. It just wasn't there. Um, Like physically and biologically. Yeah, exactly. I just don't think he could do it. So now um, it was about sort of five months, he was able to um so that that was really challenging you know because it it did mean a good few months of broken sleep (laughs) Mm. um and working working through that and of course when you're tired everything feels harder um and you know you know know, your relationships you you can get a little bit prickly with one another you know with my fiance Alistair it'd be a bit you know oh but it's it's all fine, you know. So that was a big challenge for us was was his sleep. It's all fine now, though. Um, mm-hmm. I would say the other challenge was Byron and his relationship and making sure that you know his integration oh, into our family was was smooth and as easy for Byron and our cats as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know the stuff with the cats he's a sight hound so mm. I was very aware from day one that he could not chase our cats he could not learn it was fun and that was so incredibly difficult to manage because of the just because wow. of the vigilance and the relentlessness of having to manage two cats and and a brand new puppy that you know wants to chase and you know do everything he wants to do so 
that was really hard. Um, just, just, you know, management was really useful. Baby gates, um, training disengagement from the cats, training settling near the cats, um, you know, um, interrupting with something really positive. If he was about to go and chase, you know, a little key or a little interrupter noise, we use like a, and he'll sort of usually look over. No. I love that. I wish I could do that noise. That's amazing. Yeah, we, we, we trill our tongues. And he, yeah, so he learned yeah. that he hears that noise. He rushes over and he gets something really, really good. So, it, you know, in moments where we didn't quite catch it or the baby gate wasn't uh, closed for whatever reason, we, we had things in place. But um, that is so much better now. He, You know, he doesn't really chase mm-hmm. them. Um, we don't have to have the baby gate closed as much. Um, he's much able you know, he's just learned what he does around the cats, um, which is really nice to see. But that was really hard work. And I won't sugarcoat that at all. That was really hard work managing okay. because I just never wanted him to chase the cats or learn that it was fun ever. So that was like, you know, I was really on that all the time. <laughs> oh, um, brilliant. Do you think the breed played into it? Because I know we say, oh, there's sight hounds and there's retrievers and they all have a, a you know, something that they always want to do. Mm. But I think a lot of people think when they're a baby puppy, they don't necessarily have these drives. But do you think that Banjo had that drive from the very beginning? Yeah, I think I think it was yeah pretty clear that he, he found immense gratification in chasing, um, stalking, you know, orienting, watching, and then pouncing. Wow. He, he, yeah, he, he got a lot of satisfaction f- from doing those things from day one. You know, I'd watch him fulfill a prey sequence. He'd be sort of with a little toy and he'd be stalking it. Oh. he was only sort of nine weeks old and then he'd pounce on the toy um so we yeah absolutely we saw that from day one and also uh just really made sure to channel those needs in him with outlets through play with us so he's mm-hmm. learnt that playing tuggy and with flirt poles and you know is is just as fun as, as any of that other stuff so that's really helped as well it's not like we've stopped him from doing it he just does it yeah with us you know oh amazing that's been really really good as well yeah um no I think it can be um that's good advice because I think it'd be quite hard to because I think the advice around dogs and cats is sometimes just don't let them chase but that's it and it's like but what do you do instead you know and I and I also think um have you ever had anyone ask you if you channel his per, like prey drive, will that be worse? Because I've definitely mm. asked me that question. I'd love to find out your experience of this. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah. So some people will just think they have to just not do any of that sort of um, stuff with their dog because it, it will just encourage them to do it elsewhere mm. or, you know, yeah. But I think in terms of Um, you know enriching your dog's life Um, we need to let them be dogs and fulfill those um, innate needs and desires Um, but you you just help them do it in in you know constructive and and often cooperative ways with you so that they Mm -hmm. fulfill those needs so that they are less likely to want to go and do it elsewhere because they learn that it's fun to play with you to to bring you a toy you know to, to to as I say, we do lots of flirt pole stuff with him as well, where he chases a big sort of... Oh, I bet he loves it. <laughs> yeah. Really enjoys that. Um, and then we, you know, transferred that outside as well on our walks. So we'll always have a bit where he has a big old uh, play with a tuggy or, or, or a flirt pole. Um, 
and yeah he doesn't really go and chase squirrels or wildlife or anything like that he just kind of knows that he gets that innate fulfillment from us which which has been really really gratifying to see actually putting that into practice so that's such a good explanation for it because I think it definitely is one of those kind of myths that oh if you let your dog chase a toy they're going to start to learn to develop that prey drive but the prey drive is there anyway so you might as well like you said it comes from you it doesn't come from anything else which is I mean he's going to be so much better later on in life as well I think with all of that because yeah. of all the stuff that you've done yeah, which is brilliant yeah that's good yeah exactly and mm. you know I think we see that a lot with tuggy games as well a lot of mm, yeah. going to encourage um you know my dog to be aggressive or or you know just have a hard mouth or you know that sort of stuff yeah. actually your, your dog gets great satisfaction from tugging and letting go and playing with you bringing the toy to you and um so yeah we, we do loads of that with him but it's a really nice way to manage his arousal levels as well because mm-hmm. his arousal builds 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 emotional mm-hmm. arousal will build and build and build with with tuggy and then we'll ask him to release it he has to relax for a moment bring that arousal Amazing. down again and then we can start playing again and you know so it's a really nice way for him to learn to manage his mm. um arousal levels too yeah. so that's been regulate himself yeah. and yes definitely that's so underrated I think with people knowing how far you can go with toy players it's not yeah. just giving them it's just not fun I mean obviously it's fun it's fun for us but <laughs> it's not just a piece of fun for them there's so many other things that come into play like the self-control and misregulation yeah. so yeah Teaching them oh, to drop it and you know leave leave it you know helping them generalize that onto other things other than just you know a bit of food in your hand um yeah it's been really good yeah Mm. amazing and do you think after experiencing banjo as a puppy do you think any of your advice for owners has changed um not not so much um I I think I have a renewed sense of empathy for uh my puppy clients you know when I've got um, a client who's got a 12 week old puppy I'd be like, oh man, that's rough. You know, how's it going? Yeah. You know, tell me, to tell me. And people like to offload about, you know, the struggles and with, with no judgment. Um, I suppose, I suppose, you know, with, with things like the zoomies, that was always really interesting. Some people don't really know that puppies have a tendency to go a little bit nuts uh, mm-hmm. at certain points in the day. Um, and they just sort of think their puppy's, you know, gone crazy or is, or is aggressive dog. Um, and, certainly banjo had had his fair share of the zoomies um in the evening Mm -hmm. um and it was really interesting for me to try and pick it apart I would always sort of look at maybe why the zoomies were happening um was he overtired you know was he a bit hungry was Mm -hmm. was the day just a bit much for him did he just have energy to burn um so I think for zoomies you know I would always probably say oh you know channel it get get a tuggy toy to, to my clients you know do the whole managing arousal get them to drop it release it with banjo that just did not fly like he was oh interesting no, yeah. so far gone but you know if we hadn't quite caught it or given him other outlets and suddenly he was in zoom mode tuggy just didn't work for us at all um <laughs> if anything he just it just riled him up even more in those moments okay. So, you know, I suppose what we found to be quite useful was um, big edible chews. So 
um, you know, big buffalo ears or, um, you know, I don't know, just edible things that he could actually just sit down with and chomp on, which really helped bring him back down again. And I wouldn't, I don't know, I probably wouldn't have thought to have maybe suggested that in a Zoomy moment Mm -hmm. for my clients. But um, yeah, for some reason, Zoomies just really stick out in my mind. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Actually, I wouldn't always think, I think the a lot of the advice is channel it into something else. But like you said, when they're too far gone, it's it's more about yeah. getting it out and then bringing them down, yeah. isn't it? Like just getting them to ground again and just sort of sit yeah. there. And um, so, yeah, like buffalo ears were very much appreciated. <laughs> Your saviour. <laughs> and because they were so big, there was no sort of real choking hazard. You know, it just took him ages to sort of get through. And yeah, mm-hmm. so they were really, really useful. Um, yeah. Oh, brilliant. And um, how are they getting on now? Like him and Byron and the cats, are they all, would you say they're kind of, you're quite happy with their relationship and they've been working well with each other? Yeah, definitely. Um, So Byron is really interesting. So he's an eight year old dog. You know, he's Mm -hmm. very selective over the dogs that he wants to sort of inter, uh, you know, know, integrate with and and sort of, you know, speak to um, when we're out on our walks. He generally just sort of, ignores a lot of dogs and just likes to okay. do his own thing um banjo um is a little bit more you know he's, he's in that puppy stage adolescent stage wants to sort of see a lot of dogs is quite interested in them but I found that to be really useful for our home relationship because actually okay. um you know banjo will just respect Byron being an older dog and not wanting to play with him in any capacity whatsoever um okay so everything's quite calm at home with them there's no sort of rambunctious playing or or anything Mm. to I don't know you know if you've got two dogs that are quite young and they're just constantly at each other constantly playing that's that's really hard to manage isn't it so yeah it's been quite useful having an older dog who's just like, nah, I'm not interested in, in you really at all. So yeah. you know what, Byron and Banjo just sort of coexist. You know, you know, they sniff each other. They'll, you know, he's, Banjo is obsessed with Byron. You know, as soon if he's not seen him in a while, he's like, you know, all waggy and, you know, oh. and Byron's just like, oh, hi. <laughs> 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 Playing it cool. But that, again, that took a lot of management from us right at the start, you know, really making sure they had their own, space um banjo wasn't able to pester byron really ever they had their own resources um Mm. we did separate things with them so they're really good yeah they just sort of coexist amazing really good um and the cats are also really good you know um they're confident around him they will sit near him they eat near him a big top tip of mine for cats and dogs is if you can mm. get them in the same room together and it's safe to do so and you know they're relatively comfortable group treat time is brilliant oh i love that yeah. okay so that they so we'll do this probably once a day where they all sit around us and they're each getting a treat in each other's presence but not just one treat quite a liberal amount you know yeah. okay like, you have you know when everyone's together and calm we have loads of nice nice treaties you know so oh brilliant that's really nice as oh, well that's excellent. I love the idea of kind of a treat party when they're being really calm and actually again that's something that people don't tend to talk about when you've got dogs and cats it, it tends to be more about you know keep them separate and yeah 
and that's that rather than this you know teaching them to be really nice and calm so I think that's really useful to know kind of from the other side of it of you being through it I think that really helps people yes, understand yeah. this kind of thing yeah um, I think when you've got a puppy um, and you bring it into a household with cats we just think all about the puppy oh my gosh how can we help the puppy? exactly actually we need the cats to be having a positive experience around the puppy as well um, and we know that food is a great way to do that so you know get get your treaties out um and uh you know just be liberal with it I think that's another thing as well um I I was very liberal with food and treats whenever they were in each other's presence especially with Byron um Mm. if he was around Banjo he would get treats if Banjo was around and, and vice versa um I I honestly just didn't ever want Byron to feel any lack, any lack at all. Oh, perfect. Around around Banjo, you know. So, you know, I I even thought, well, if he puts on half a kilo, I don't, a kilogram, I don't even mind. You know, we can lose that later. It's just, I want him to be really spunked so many positive experiences Mm -hmm. around this puppy um, that it's, it's, you know, fine. Um, and it's worked really well and he hasn't put on any weight because we just oh, good. moderated his food but you know um, I think people just think oh a little treat here and there go liberal with it you know go yeah. be really generous with your with your currency with your treats <laughs> because it's really worthwhile and it works to build positive mm. uh, associations and relationships um, you know Oh, that's excellent. That's such good advice. And I think um, I was going to say, what's the best sort of piece of advice you'd give to a dog bum who's listening to this and thinking, you know, I've got a cat, I'm bringing a puppy in. But actually, I think everything that you've given has been so valuable for people to know kind of what they're um, what they're going to be doing, which is really useful. So thank you so much for that. Was there anything else that you found surprised you about having a puppy? So um, one thing that really surprised me um, was actually um I assumed getting a puppy I would um be out and about and Banjo would want to be really social with lots of dogs um Mm -hmm. you know just be you know very optimistic and inquisitive but actually he really surprised me because he he was actually quite fearful of a lot of dogs from day one from day one which I was really surprised about um and you know I, I felt a lot of guilt I was like oh my gosh maybe I've done something wrong or but actually I think it was it's just the way he is I think he just is a little bit more worried about dogs for whatever reason um and interestingly um some of his siblings are as well um so oh okay oh, that's quite interesting um, mm. and actually the siblings who went to live in a household where there was an existing dog were all a little bit more reticent, a little bit more worried about dogs. But the ones that went to just houses where they were alone and they were solo, they were quite confident. So I thought that was really interesting. I was like, hmm, is there something there? Or is it just... Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like he's just, rely- you know, he just had Byron. He didn't really need to go and... Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, um, so that's been something we've been working through with him, um, you know, making sure he saw dogs from afar, associating it with treats, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Um, Comforting him, getting down to his level if ever a dog came over and he was worried. Um, I also taught him middle. So whenever he saw a dog, you know. Oh, I love that. And he'd be nice and comforted and all of that's gone a huge way to helping but 
I just found that really surprising because actually, you know, I just assumed he'd be, you know, really way out there wanting yeah. to run over to all the dogs. But no, he's he surprised me in that way. So I thought I'd just share that as well. Oh, no, I think that's so, so useful to know. Because um, I think people do think, oh, you know, puppies, let's bundle them all in together at a puppy party or, yeah. or do this. And actually, you know, some puppies just don't, they just don't want that. And they need something a little bit slower. And actually the ones that are, really full-on probably don't need that either so um yeah (laughs) Yeah. I think that's really good for people to know I had a lot of people say oh just put him in daycare he'll grow his confidence there and I was just like do you know what that would be his nightmare his you know an idea of living hell he wouldn't have us there um to help build his confidence nice and gradually and he would you know probably learn that dogs were quite scary and full-on so yeah it's not for everyone is it um no I think yeah I think you just um you know just be a bit careful about where your puppy's going I think and and take into account if they are a bit shy about dogs um one thing I wanted to touch on actually relating to this is that kind of dog mum guilt that people have and they feel Mm -hmm. guilty if their puppy is worried about dogs or they're not sleeping at night or they feel like oh have I done something wrong and I'd love for you to just speak about anything that you felt and how you kind of worked through it yeah I think I think Lauren my problem was is that I I obviously I'm a dog trainer you know I do this as a job day in day out so I if anything I almost felt like I had so much information (laughs) that I was really readily able to start catastrophizing quite quickly um, about the smallest thing you know oh he's worried about dogs oh my gosh well we you know and I'd immediately go into overdrive as to the Mm. plan of action and um so I so there was a lot of anxiety around that and getting it really right um but in terms of I can of, imagine yeah and then the mum guilt you know God, I, I just have that uh, a lot with Byron and Banjo just you know just mm-hmm. feeling like are they getting enough um from us um is any you know is Byron feeling like he's missing out on anything is Banjo having a good experience yeah there's a there's a lot to sort of navigate and work through but um I think you can just no, you can only do your best can't you and ultimately you're giving your dog a brilliant life you're you know training them working their brain you, they, they have a lovely warm place to sleep you know they get love mm. there's not a lot more you can <laughs> you can really really do um so yeah but it's it's one of those things just that guilt just being like oh my gosh are they getting mm. enough um I think it will really help people hearing that you feel it as well because obviously I mean you give them so much they have the most amazing life with you but if you're even feeling that when you're doing all of this enrichment and everything with them you know you can see why people especially with kind of social media people feel this guilt of oh I haven't done this with my dog or I haven't done this but you know I think you're right it's it's as long as they're getting um you know as long as they're with you and they're enjoying themselves and they're able to settle themselves and they're able to play and I think that's that's what they need really yeah exactly I mean you've given us so much valuable information I'm so pleased that we've had you on and and you've shared so much so thank you so much um where can people find you so where have you got any offerings that you want to tell people about and where can they find those well um primarily um my Instagram page is probably the best place to come to to find out more about me um so that's at Kirby Dog Training um you can also find me on Facebook which is Kirby Dog Services so in terms of how I work I I run one-to-ones in 
London and also in Brighton and Hove and the surrounding areas and I run the Puppy Collective as well might be something people are interested in um, it's a virtual mentorship um, training that's monthly uh, but we meet weekly with with a group of uh, like-minded uh, puppy owners and adolescent owners we go through theory um, around specific topics um, and then we also do training as well in in that hour and then there's a big whatsapp group and a facebook community to join as well so the puppy collective um, you can find out more puppycollective.com Brilliant. I think there'll definitely be people listening thinking, I need that help and they'll be there with you, which will be great. So um, so I think thank you so much, Ella, for coming on. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's been so useful. Um, so thank you so much and um, I'll speak to you next time. Thank you, Lauren. Cheerio. Bye. How incredible was that? You can catch Ella's special mentorship over at www.puppycollective.com and all the links are in the show notes too. Please do tag us or message me the favourite things you took away from this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you loved it, please do leave a great five-star review. It would be appreciated so much and it really helps the podcast grow. If you would like more, you can sign up to my email list at www.dogmummindset.com and you'll receive a copy of The Calm Mat as well as other unreleased resources too. If you want to message me, head to Dogmum Mindset at Instagram and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. <laughs>